standing on the word of scripture If you are to be standing with you Never are we gonna budge We ain't going nowhere We standing on the word of scripture If you are to be standing with you Because of his grace and love We ain't going nowhere Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 35 of Faith and Beliefs Refuted. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. So today we are going to get into, uh, David's going to talk about Joseph Smith and whether or not he was a convicted con man and what uh, relevance that has to uh, Mormon belief, the uh, standing of the Mormon church, or anything like that. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to just jump in. Again, this is probably going to be, I'm figuring maybe three or four of these episodes that are strictly going to be devoted to faith and beliefs refuted. Um, getting ready to change the name, getting ready to uh, change up some music. My, my big holdup right now is just looking for the right theme music. I may actually, just sitting through the, the intro again, I may stick with Reformed Thug Life. This is, this is a, it's a good song and it, it fits what the uh, purpose of this, this podcast is. So just bear with me again, a couple more weeks and, uh, and you'll see the new, uh, the new setup. Um, really new setup it's it's just a new new intro video and new theme song and a new title um and an expanded uh an expanded scope of what videos we're actually going to be interacting with because we're going to be interacting with a whole lot more than just the faith and beliefs uh videos from saints unscripted we're going to be hitting all kinds of stuff um but probably one of the first of which I'm probably going to tackle uh, Paula White's prayer for the president um, this last week, and we may contrast that to David Platt's prayer. So, just a couple of ideas, things to uh, for you guys to prep yourself for. But today we are still in with the faith and beliefs, fellas, and David. So we'll let David go ahead and tell us about. Uh, Joseph Smith and whether or not he was really a con man. I oftentimes see critics of the church comment, how can you believe a convicted con man like Joseph Smith was a prophet of God? Well, being a convicted con man is a decently serious accusation. So in this episode, we're going to look at whether or not that's true. What crime did he allegedly commit? Who accused him? What happened at court? Why wasn't I invited? Were there 12 angry men? Did Jack Nicholson testify? All right, just cue the music. Again, I kind of want to point out the fact that they use a lot of... This is a just a, a tactic to kind of... They throw in all these little ridiculous things to make it seem ridiculous and to kind of take the weight of the accusation off. He did this with with Brigham Young and the Adam God Doctrine. They did this with the Seer Stones. They do this with a lot of stuff. And just to, to point out the fact that this really is a tactic. If you're listening, um, you may not have caught on to that, but because uh, some of the stuff is, is visual. Um, but, you know, they're throwing up clips from 
12 Angry Men, clips from A Few Good Men, and so on and so forth, and kind of trying to make this seem ridiculous. Um, it is a weighty uh, accusation, but we'll get more into that at the end. So here we go. In a past episode about seer stones, we touched briefly on how Joseph Smith dabbled in folk magic-y stuff as a young man. Lots of people did it. We actually call that the occult. Um, yeah, Joseph Smith dabbled in the occult. It was a pretty normal thing back then. They didn't even call it magic. It was just part of their culture. Anyway, watch it if you haven't. But the notion... That's not true. It was not part of the culture. It was called magic. It was... Uh, it was sorcery, it was divining, um, all those words uh, connected with it, um, occult, sorcery, so on. Um, again, that, to say it was just their culture, I mean, people were arrested and not just, a, you know, a couple of, within a hundred, couple hundred years, people were burned for this kind of activity. So, to, to make it seem like, oh, well, it was just the culture. That's a, that's, that's not true. ...that Joseph was a convicted con man usually stems from Joseph's experience using a seer stone to try and help a man named Josiah Stowell find buried treasure. Here's what happened. Joseph Smith was known in his community as someone who could use a seer stone to find lost stuff. In the spring of 1825, a guy named Josiah Stowell Stowell heard about Joseph and approached Joseph with a gig to help him find a lost silver mine. The 20-year-old Joseph Smith worked with Josiah for less than a month before persuading Josiah that it just wasn't working out. In March of 1826, either Josiah's sons or it could have been his nephew, we're not quite sure who it was, charged Joseph with falsely pretending to discover lost goods, which fell under the category of disorderly conduct at the time. And so, Joseph appears before Justice of the Peace, Albert Neely. Here's the problem. There are several different accounts concerning the outcome of the case. Some sources claim Joseph was found guilty. Some say he was acquitted or discharged. One even says he was guilty but allowed to escape. Another says it wasn't even a trial, it was an examination or a pretrial. So we have conflicting accounts, but there is no official court documentation of any conviction or guilty verdict, which I'm sure the critics are totally bummed out about. Okay, you were done, okay. All right, well, take your time. That's fine, all right, that's fine. If we consider Joseph Smith innocent until proven guilty, as we should, then he's totally innocent. Not guilty. But as you make up your mind about what to believe, we've got one key witness in the Josiah Stowell case that can't be ignored, whose court testimony is corroborated in both friendly and critical accounts. And the witness is Josiah Stowell. Now, according to Gordon Madsen, a lawyer who's an expert in this stuff, if Joseph is being accused of swindling Josiah, then, of course, Josiah is the victim here. He's the only one who would have lost any money, and he's therefore the only person with a legal basis to complain in the first place. So Josiah Stowell, also known as Deacon Stowell, takes the witness stand. A guy named William D. Purple was at the trial and took notes on what happened. According to his account, Justice Neely soberly looked at the witness and in a solemn, dignified voice said, Deacon Stowell, do I understand you as swearing before God under the solemn oath you've taken that you believe the prisoner can see by the aid of the stone 50 feet below the surface of the earth as plainly as you can see what is on my table? 
Do I believe it, says Deacon Stowell? Do I believe it? No. It's not a matter of belief. I positively know it to be true. So we've got Josiah's nephew dragging everyone to court. The nephew says, you ripped off my uncle. Joseph says, no, I didn't. And Josiah says, no, he didn't. Logically, the purple account ends with this statement. It is hardly necessary to say that as the testimony of Deacon Stowell could not be impeached, the prisoner was discharged and in a few weeks he left the town. That, to me, is the most important aspect of this whole situation. Okay, well, now here I want to just kind of stop and address a few things. Um, one, early on, we looked at, he was saying, well, there are so many different conflicting accounts that we really don't know what happened. We don't even know who took uh, Joseph Smith, whether it was Stoll's kids or his nephew. We don't even know who took him to court. So there's no official record, and so we don't know. But now he is convinced, based off of William Purple's account, so apparently this is the one that is, is, is valid in his mind, and we're just going to dismiss the whole thing. So now we've, we've, we, he's thrown out the, oh, well, there's multiple conflicting accounts to cast doubt on the entire thing, but he is going to hang everything that he argues on on one account, even though there are multiple uh, conflicting accounts. We're going to hang everything on this one now. And we're going to ignore the fact that just a few minutes ago, you talked about the conflicting accounts. And so how do we know that the account that you're hanging everything on to be the valid account? There's an issue there. Now, Gordon Madsen also brings up several other great legalistic points. If Joseph had been convicted and sentenced, Justice Neely would have been required to file that sentence with the county clerk's office, complete with his personal certification. No such record exists. Madsen says an argument could be advanced that the absence of the many formalities shows that Justice Neely, knowing that he acquitted the prisoner, also knew that there was no need to formalize a record. Also, fun fact, at this time Joseph Smith hadn't even recovered the record of the Book of Mormon yet. Nonetheless, Josiah Stowell later joined the church and remained a faithful member for the rest of his life. Maybe I'm crazy, but it just doesn't seem like Josiah, the key figure in this case, felt duped in any way. Now, there's a lot more that could be said about this case that I haven't had time to cover. Check out the article on our website for more information. Also, I'll include links in the description to more research about this and you'll even know what to do with. Check it out if you're interested and have a great day. Alright, so, again, so now he's going to hang everything on the fact that Josiah Stoll joined the LDS church and so on. This is what con men do. They convince people. They're confidence men. They get people to put their faith in them. Josiah Stoll, whether, I mean, he was... There's no court record. Now, one, we don't know that the court record does not exist. It just hasn't been found. Now, whether that was a, a case of, of a problem with the court, with, with poor record keeping, who knows? I mean, ultimately, in, in our courts nowadays, whether there's an acquittal or a, a conviction, those things need to be filed. So... It, it doesn't make sense for me to hear a lawyer say, well, there's no need to, to file, uh, make a, create a formal file when he was just acquitted. Well, no, I think there's a, a reason to, to believe that there should have been a file created one way or another. And there is in existence a, a, 
uh, record of court costs for this particular uh, incident, which also shows in there what, and there are a couple accounts that do corroborate this. One is William Purple's account, uh, from what I was reading here, uh, just in the last little bit, and I could be wrong. Someone could could show me where I'm wrong, but I believe in William Purple's account, there was a fine attributed to Joseph Smith, which is an indication of guilt, um, and it re- it reconciles with the charge of of the court costs, the 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 bill of of court costs or whatever there is that is in existence. So. Um, so there are some records there that are, are being kept, but here's the issue. Here's the big thing. Obviously, Joseph never was able to find the treasure that Josiah Stoll had asked him to find. And we, I mean, maybe the nephew did have legal standing. Maybe part of the money given to Joseph Smith to find this treasure came from the nephew. Maybe Josiah Stoll didn't have enough. And he told his nephew, hey, I've got this guy that can use the, put his face in a hat with a rock and find buried treasure. And so Josiah Stoll's nephew says, well, here, here's all, I'll chip in to make this happen. I mean, again, the fact that you're talking about there's no record of any of this says we don't know. Maybe Josiah Stoll's nephew did have legal standing to bring charges against Joseph. But what we do know is Joseph never found this. But yet Josiah Stoll was convinced he was able to do so. And he wasn't able to do so. That's the very definition of a confidence man. To, to convince people that they can do something that they cannot do. And Joseph was so good at it that he convinced not only Josiah Stoll... But a whole group of people, based on conflicting uh, uh, records of a first division, it's funny that that we we talk about conflicting uh, records in this case, which means oh well we can't we cast doubt on it, so we can't really be sure what really happened. But yet there are at least nine conflicting records of the Joseph Smith's first vision, but yet we are absolutely confident. In what he saw, Joseph Smith is a con man, and David, he's even got you fooled. That's what con men do. And over almost two centuries, millions of people have been conned by Joseph Smith. Whether there's a record of guilt or not, we have an entire foundational... an entire religion whose foundation is deception and change and fraud over two centuries. Joseph Smith was a con man. Whether or not he was convicted, we, we may never know if there was an actual conviction in this case, but the record bears out and history shows that he conned a lot of people. And the reality of the fact is he convinced a lot of people to believe in a, a church that is false, a Christ that is false, a, a, a God who is false, and a gospel that is false. He's convinced millions of people to follow after a, a religion that offers no salvation, that, that will result with a, a huge number, millions of people 
standing before the Savior on the day of judgment saying, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And these thousands, millions of people are going to hear Jesus say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And along with a lot of heretical Christian teachers who will have to stand by and watch the people they deceived uh, hear those words before they hear them themselves, I'm convinced that Joseph will have to as well. Um, will will watch. And I think Joseph knowingly did it. And the the effects are are widespread. Millions of people believing a false gospel on a wide path that leads to destruction. And I would call you to, to look into what is true and, and examine, deeply examine these things against what the Bible actually says about who Christ is, about who God the Father is, about who the Holy Spirit is, and how we are actually saved by grace and not of works so that no man can boast. I urge you to look into that. If you are, are LDS or you're investigating the LDS church and you can hear my voice or you're watching this right now, look into these things. And if you're a Christian who knows somebody who has people that you love who are deeply entrenched in this false religion, my charge to you is the same as it always is. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.